0: Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Jesus taught a lot of things that were considered pretty radical. Things like loving your enemies and praying for them. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Walk two miles if someone compels you to walk one and a lot more. And we need to remember that in Jesus' instructions, we have God's perspective. It's not our perspective, it's not mankind's, it's God's perspective. And God's perspective often conflicts with mankind's perspectives, which comes from many sources other than God. And here, Jesus sheds light on what godly given actually looks like. So the thing given, which is a cup of cold water, it may seem insignificant to us, but to someone who is very thirsty, it means a lot. And this is an example of how we can use what God has given us to bless him and others. So we look for opportunities to show God's love to those around us. And this is a great witness. And it allows us to be, as James says, doers of the word and not hearers only. In our world today, there is a lot of people, billions of people. Everyone has an individual story and everyone has an eternal destiny. And when we become sensitive to the Holy Spirit and begin operating like a follower of Jesus, doing the things he said to do and not being cold-hearted, worldly, or hypocritical, we begin to see how important the message of the gospel is. Everyone needs salvation. But how do we, as those who have been given salvation through grace, demonstrate to unbelievers that Jesus is worth believing? One way is giving. I spoke to a lady a few years ago, and we got on the subject of tithing. And she's a believer, and she said that she gives no money to her church. Rather, she has two elderly parents who don't make enough to pay the bills, so her tithe goes to them. And this is an example of giving to God first. Honoring your parents by helping them in their final years is something I believe is very pleasing to God. And Jesus had a run-in with the religious leaders over this issue. In Mark chapter 7, verse 5, And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. So the leaders had, by their traditions, created a loophole allowing people to neglect giving their parents support when they needed it, saying that, hey, the money that I was going to give you, well, that's really reserved for God. It's a gift for God. And Jesus didn't go for that at all. But that's what greed can do to people. Let your parents go without creating whatever excuse you can conjure up, and that's supposed to be okay. So in my conversation with the lady, she demonstrated a valuable principle for believers. You put your money where it pleases God. And for a lot of people giving to their church, they're 10%. That's good with them. They call it good. And that's fine. I can't argue with that. But here's something I began to learn about giving. When I would give secretly to a person, and it was part of the money that I set aside for God, part of our giving, I saw the joy and surprise in the eyes of those who received what I was able to give them, and it blessed them. And in my career, I kept a portion of my giving in my wallet, and I called it Jesus money. And I would pray that God would direct me wherever this money needed to go, and he was faithful. And I don't do this anymore because I spend most of my time busy at home and don't meet a lot of strangers anymore, like I did in my career. But when I was working and the time came and the need was presented, I would nonchalantly remove some money from my wallet, hold on to it for a few minutes, make sure nobody saw me, and then quietly present it to the person And I would tell them, this is a gift from God. He loves you. I want you to take this. And the response was usually amazing. And what it showed me was that the needs are everywhere. And when God is identifying those needs to you, when you are listening for the Holy Spirit, and he says, right there, and you just give, it is amazing what happens. And I understood that if I'm faithful to be ready to give to random people, God points out those people. And to me, that's giving to God. And it's an easy way of giving a shout out to Jesus. People never refused the money or got angry that the name of Jesus was tied to it because God was leading me to the people. I just didn't give it to anybody. That's a waste of money. But when God said, there's a need right there, like, okay, and most of the time the people cried. It's pretty neat. And this compelled me to want to give more. And I shared this with my kids and they began to look for opportunities to give as teenagers. They had a little bit of money that they were earning, babysitting or doing whatever, And they learned to keep an eye out for the needs. And on occasion, they would ask, hey, Dad, you got any more Jesus money left over? And I discovered a need. And I'm like, okay. And they'd kind of give me a heads up and it seemed legit. Okay, here. And I would give it to them so they could bless someone and teach them the importance of giving to God by giving to others. And being sensitive to the Holy Spirit's conviction, because I get convicted by the Holy Spirit pretty routinely, I never felt convicted of dividing up the money that I was giving to our church and to others. And I felt so blessed when I was able to give other people that money that it made me want to give more. And think about it. What do most unbelievers think of when they think of church? All they want is my money. And that's what I thought growing up. And I understand now that some churches are still all about the money. But what happens when God begins to work on a person, which he constantly does, who's very antagonistic towards Christians for whatever reason, then God gets their attention and they're now wrestling with God like Jacob did. And then some stranger comes up and meets their need in a way that only God could orchestrate. What does that tell them about the God of the Bible? What does that tell them about the name of Jesus? And giving money in this scenario is a much better witness than simply giving them a track or saying, okay, I'll pray for you. Meet the need. James 2.14, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but he does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, I want to reiterate that I believe wholeheartedly that a person who's going to church needs to support their church and give to that church. There are needs in the church, especially if it's a faithful church and you're growing in your relationship with the Lord and your pastor's faithful and you need to support that church. There's no doubt. And faithful pastors who are on staff at their church, putting up with all the garbage they have to put up with, they're worthy to receive a good wage for their work. In First Timothy 5.17, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it is treading out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. In other words, they're working hard. They need to be supported. And I've listened to a few great pastors over the years, and a few of them in person who tell the stories of their beginnings and relying on the Lord for their livelihood in their early years as new pastors. And they usually have a wife and kid, and they would go to a church, they get hired on, and some of them, they're like, they can't afford to pay you hardly anything. So here you have a good pastor. A lot of them at this time, they went to seminary. So they may have had student loans and those types of things from college or seminary. They're serving this congregation with very little money, and their cupboards are bare. Their cars are breaking down. And they have very little money to buy food or clothing. And I understand that suffering produces in these pastors a reliance upon God that really matured them and the hardships that they experienced, they would be able to share with those in the same situation. So I get that. I also understand that it was God's will for them that they had to learn these lessons. But in my mind, if a church has a faithful pastor who is a legitimate child of God and faithfully shepherding the flock, it's a disgrace to have them living in poverty if that church can afford to support them, but they don't. Read John Calvin's story and see how he had to live his life as he sacrificed everything to serve the Lord. So having said this, there are a few pastors in our area who make it all about the money in their congregation. I know this because the people come from their churches and they're like, yeah, these guys, they say this, they say that. I'm like, okay, whatever. That's hearsay. But I don't doubt it because I see some of the cars that they drive. And many of their congregations are made up of low-income people. And the congregation is taught that the pastors need to drive nice cars and wear nice clothes for whatever reason. And tragically, this kind of teaching is all over the place. And of course, the expository teaching and really get into the Word of God is totally neglected because if they do, it's going to reveal how wrong they are. And it's going to put a cramp in their fancy lifestyle. So there needs to be a balance in our thinking. Yes, we do support our pastors because they're worthy of it. But when our pastors are asking for money so they can buy a brand new sports car, it's like, come on, dude. It's about the kingdom stuff. You're not going to be bringing people to Jesus in your sports car. When we are skilled at something and someone else is not, we can be a huge source of help and encouragement to them. Being able to help a person with home repairs, changing the oil in the car, shoveling gravel or whatever, it's another way of giving. And it's a great witness to those around you, especially shoveling rock. I shoveled rock with people and and that's hard work. But when you get in there and you're busting your hump and you're shoveling more than they are, and at the end you're like, all right, I'm out. See you later. Oh, thank you so much. No problem. As to the Lord, I'm giving my skills to the Lord and my back, but it's worth it. And we are really blessed in our church because we have great men and women who are hard workers and very generous and eager to help out and When a need pops up, someone is usually all over it immediately. And when I can help out, when I can shovel gravel, when I can set up, tear down for events or do whatever is needed, I try to jump in quick. And not that I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to be a good witness for Jesus because that's what he would do. I'm the one teaching them all this stuff. So I got to be the first one to get my hands dirty. And I end up realizing, you know what? It's not about me. It's about my witness for Jesus. And when the love of God is poured out in my heart, it's so much easier to give. So summing up this series. It's my personal conviction that giving to God means we take what we have and we use it where He wants us to. The percentage you give is between you and God, and you should be cheerful when you're giving of your money, your time, your skills to the Lord and give where He directs you. I realize when Jesus said it's better to give than to receive, He was right. You can't take your stuff with you into eternity, but you can invest your stuff in the Lord by using it to glorify Him and in eternity you can expect good things as a result. Thank you.